With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. I'm Stephen Ellis. Ryan Kennedy is here, of course. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, so the last couple of episodes, because there was a Molly Crew reference, and I've become obsessed with trying to... Do, I, I don't like the band, and I've said that before, but yeah. I've been trying to learn more about their story, because the movie's good, and you said the book's good. I've been listening to their their, uh, e- or their audiobook, and we were talking before. It doesn't sound like something that actually would be real, when there's people biting each other just for the sake of biting each other, and, and like that. it's a very inappropriate book, so I'm yes. not going to get into it, but it's you said it was better than the movie. It definitely is. Yes. Um, I, I felt like they somehow sanitized things for the movie, <laughs> if you can believe that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like, I don't know if you can call it a cautionary tale because like they survived and they're still around. Uh, but it's definitely like, I mean, a lot of substances were admittedly taken and I would assume a lot of the... Uh, Stories are based off of that. Yes, yes. Uh, and there's the whole, uh, the beginning of this, the Mick Myers, the guitar player, being from Newfoundland. He's not from Newfoundland. He's from Indiana. Very close. Um, but then there was, uh, it, it's just like, now I'm, I kind of, because I know when that book came out, then a lot of singers, a lot of bands, a lot of musicians started putting out their own, like, tell-all books. Slash had a really good one. And oh, it's yeah. like, it became a huge thing. You just don't hear about that anymore, but like. No, it's true. I mean, it was the 80s, right? Like anything went back in the 80s and like excess was celebrated. So yes. you're not going to see that these days. Like I I stopped playing guitar if I'm a little tired. I don't know if I can play <laughs> guitar when I'm out of your mind. Like crazy like that. Yeah. Uh, also, there was the uh, Leaf outdoor game and the Bulldogs outdoor game. And like I've said before, if you go to, you got to go to an outdoor game if you can, but like, what, what are your thoughts on attending outdoor games? I mean, I think if you're really hardcore for a team, then it would be super fun. Uh, and, you know, I, I know I've talked to people that have gone as fans and, and had a great time. And I think the key is like, you know, if it's a if it's an actual winter outdoor game, like I'm not talking stadium series. Yeah. Uh, if it's an actual winter game, then obviously you bundle up and kind of sounds like if you're at a big venue make sure you buy all your food before you get to your seat because the lines get crazy afterwards but yeah yeah I think it's one of those sort of bucket listings if you're a fan of your if your team is playing in one and say hasn't played in one before or hasn't played in one in a long time then it, it feels like it's a bucket list thing. I made a mistake in thinking when they said there was gonna be food in the media center yesterday I was gonna be- I should believe it well, <laughs> so I ate at 11 in the morning got there whatever and then pizza was in the media center from about five till five fifteen, and I was out of the ice at that point. And I didn't eat till almost eleven thirty. That's was not a rookie fun. mistake. Popcorn that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's talk about hockey. Let's uh, do that. It. Isn't in the past. Um, where this is our trade deadline issue or topic? Uh, of course, trade deadline issue out right now. We got a lot of good topics, um, but I want to start with something a little fun today. If you had to be a GM of a team to manage during the deadline, what would it be? And this is actually a question that has been asked on this podcast before, mm. but it's. Always a fun one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Arizona. I want to be Bill Armstrong right Mm -hmm. now because how fun is it where you already have three first-round picks for the 2022 draft and four second-rounders. You've got Phil Kessel. You've got Jacob Chikrin. You know, you pretty much have most of your roster where, you know, it's been pretty clear that it's been kind of an open sale in Arizona as Armstrong kind of molds it into, you know, what he sees as the future of the Coyotes. So you can kind of go to all the buyers and say, what do you need? I got a little bit of everything. I mean, I'm even wondering if, you know, a guy like Riley Nash, who we've seen swapped at the deadline before, 
becomes sort of, you know, like one of those little minor trades that gets you an extra pick. But, you know, what I think is really exciting about Arizona right now, on top of all the picks they already have, I mean, if I'm Armstrong and I'm getting more picks at the deadline, I'm trying to get picks for 2023 because we know the high Mm -hmm. end of that draft is spectacular. And you're going to get a better read of those kids because their development won't be as impacted by the pandemic as the past two draft classes. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Bill Armstrong is going to get a lot of phone calls, and I think it would be super fun to be in that position right now. Depending on the area in Canada, because most of the major junior leagues didn't play anything close to a full season last year, OHL didn't play at all, but a lot of the the minor hockey leagues still had a chance to play, whether it be in outlaw leagues or, or whatever, to continue playing in some form. And that meant some of those younger players actually did get to play a bit more. And, and like 2024, I guess more, 2025 will be more of that. But 2023, we just know how strong that draft is. Mm-hmm. And it's been a topic that's been kind of floated around Twitter. It's like, well, the 2022 draft is pretty good, but the 2023 draft has just all that more, much more potential. Um, heck, we could see a team somehow get Matt Mitchkoff later in the draft than we probably expected. Yeah. And when we were talking about before, it's okay, his KHL contract's much longer now. It's okay, this could be a little more complicated given where he's from. For sure, for sure. <laughs> and so that, that makes that tough. But yeah, like Arizona is just a fun team in general to be involved in trades this year. Uh, when I play games like NHL 22 or Eastside Hockey Manager, I like to start with a rebuilding team and uh, because it likes, gives me the opportunity to kind of have some fun with it. But also there's not necessarily as much pressure to be really good really quickly. You're not trying to have to win right now and potentially mortgage your future um, in that case. So the two teams I'm kind of looking at are Anaheim Ducks because I think that's a team where they showed some promise this year. We know that guys like Zegras and Troy Terry coming into their own. Um, they've got some other good young pieces, Jamie Drysdale. Um, so they got a good small core to work with, but they can still build towards it. But they've also got pieces like Ricard Raquel and, and, and other guys. Uh, we know Josh uh, Manson's been traded, but they got yeah. some pieces of that core that can be moved um, to bring in more assets but you also don't necessarily need to trade a guy like ricard raquel i feel like he's in the trade rumors every year he was actually a topic on the show last year right um but uh that kind of flexibility it's like well you a team will really would like to get his services okay you're going to get a good return but if you can't trade him you still got a guy who is going to be a decent contributor to your team and if you get him bring him in for a couple more years there's a value there and the other team is the montreal canadians which is almost similar where they're having a fun time right now they're totally. actually Martin St. Louis seems to have this, this new coach energy that we see with teams um, when they make a coaching change has really made this team a lot fun to watch. The young guys are starting to perform well. Um, and like, to be fair to this whole team, would we be talking about them being like battling in last place if they had Carey Price and Shea Weber for the whole season? Mm. Probably not, uh, given how important they were in the playoffs. So that's something where there's a lot of guys that are in the trade rumors. They can move a guy like Ben Sherrod and not be the biggest deal in the world. And I still think Jeff Petrie struggling this year, but can be good somewhere else. You can go get those assets, but you know there's still something where there's still the young pieces. They got some good, decent players in the pipeline. Cole Caulfield and, and Nick Suzuki are looking really good right now. Um, so those are two teams that I think would be kind of fun to do. For sure, yeah. I just would not want to be a team that's a contender because you like <laughs> lots of pressure. Yeah, it's like Colorado. Hey, you guys might win the Stanley Cup, but the trade deadline's probably the least. Like, it's got to be just a terrible time for the fan base. Yeah, it's like we pretty much could only just screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> and at least I don't have to. Well, hoping we don't have to worry about another league shutdown. But you look at all those teams that made those big trades um, at the deadline um, in 2020, only to get them for like a month, and then the season just shut down, and then you get them back later in the year. Well. The momentum's gone, everything, and it didn't feel right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this deadline because I feel like it's going to be a bit more fun than last year, just solely for the fact that this is th- – th- we're not talking much about the, the flat salary cap. We're not talking about much the, the COVID travel anymore. We're talking mm. like this feels like a normal trade deadline. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, Montreal's a good one too because they have a ton of picks in this draft as well. It kind of feels like it's going to be Arizona and Montreal picking almost every pick in the first two rounds. <laughs> Well, uh, that's kind of what happens when you suck. So, all right, next question. St. Louis Blues goaltending. Vili Husso, this I guess not really trade deadline, but maybe who knows? Vili Husso is playing like a a pretty good goalie right now. He's, or this season, I should say, he's been kind of playing like a starter. Um, But like Bennington a couple years ago, he doesn't have a huge play. I believe he's played under 50 games in his career. Um, So that's not a huge resume he's a pending ufa he's playing well you would want to keep him 
where do you see the Blues taking this goalie situation next year? Because Bennington is is not playing great, mm. and he hasn't really played that great since he won the Cup, which obviously was really good. It almost you got like this, like there was comparisons to when he signed his contract to Matt Murray when he signed his contract. Mm. And you looked at both their careers after winning the Cup, kind of just teetered off. So, kind of what do you what do you see the Blues doing with their goalie situation? Well, I mean they're in a tough spot, but. I mean, what I would do if I were the Blues right now is go with Huso. You're a playoff team. You know, you're going to be a playoff team. I don't think there's any worry there. So I say you ride Huso and basically say to him, like, let's see how far you can take us. Because keep in mind, Bennington was exactly the same. Went into that playoff round. One-year age difference between the Bennington and 20. Yeah, and it's funny because Bennington only got the call because, if I'm not mistaken, Huso was hurt yes, at the time. Yeah, yeah. he right? could have been the guy. It could have been Huso all along. Uh, but Bennington, you know, took the ball and ran with it. They obviously won the Stanley Cup. I think with Huso, because he's a pending UFA, you look at the Blues situation, and Bennington signed long-term already, $6 million cap hit, so that's not nothing. I'm not sure if you can keep them both. And Bennington has already signed. Uh, I, I'm not sure what kind of trade value he would even have. So I think what you do is you go into these playoffs and say, look, we're not the favorite, but we got a lot of experience. We're built for the playoffs. We've got some guys coming up that uh, you know, are, are heating up at the right time. You think about guys like Robert Thomas and Colton Pareko, you know, those guys that are kind of the now generation and slightly the next generation, uh, you know, Jordan Kiru as well, obviously. Um, but I think you, you ride Huso, you see what happens. Maybe you get a great run. Who knows? Um, you know, I know we're saying Colorado is the favorite in the West and for you know, good reason, and I would say Calgary is the favorite as well. But hey, maybe the Blues pull off a stunner. And then you go into the summer and you reassess and you say, hey, you know, who, we'd love to have you, Huso, uh, but we only have X amount of cap space. This is what we can sort of offer you. I think you, if Huso proves to be great down the stretch and in the playoffs, then you certainly see if you can deal Bennington. And to be fair, a lot of teams are looking for goaltending right now. Maybe they can't do it at the deadline, but maybe they can do it in the summer. And... If you lose Huso for nothing, then unfortunately, that's just the way the you know things go. He's a UFA. You take that risk, but you know it's interesting because I remember talking to a team exec a while ago about goalies, and he was saying, you know, you get this sort of anchor bias when a guy comes in, where if they're hot right away, then you establish a certain standard for them. Yeah. So for Jordan Bennington, you know, when he came in, he has that amazing run. Everybody says like, oh, well, maybe we missed on Bennington. Maybe he is this like number one starter. Whereas Jack Campbell, when he came into the league, he struggled. And a lot of teams said, well, maybe he's not an NHL goaltender. Then you look today, and I know Campbell struggled before his injury, but I'm, I'm wondering if they were related. Um, and he had been fighting that rib injury for a they, while. They, they kind of say that he was fighting it, so that could explain yeah. a lot. He, the one thing we noticed is it seemed like he was getting down slower to the butterfly, which could be an effect of it. Totally. So, you know, Jack Campbell was originally seen as maybe he's an AHLer. Now he's playing, you know, he has been playing like a starter for most of the year, whereas Bennington, maybe he is only a backup. Uh, but when he came into the league, he was seen as a guy that had starter potential. So it's just sort of interesting how we, how we perceive these things. It's also worth mentioning on Campbell specifically that he was, like, he won his last game before he was out. But it's like, if he really was hurt, they did have Morazic, and while Morazic's shaky this year they also had Colgren and, and, and Wool to call from they were in a spot where they didn't like they couldn't sit him out for a few weeks if he truly was hurt all that time and just like they wouldn't be fine like they're, they're gonna make the playoffs it's yeah. not a problem for that it's they, they could have lost some games if I'm putting these other goalies in to make sure he's healthy but now like his last like couple weeks before his injury were terrible so it's gonna mm. take him a while to get back mm. but that explains a lot uh with back to uh Bennington he signed until 2027 um and that well, he's got no trade clause for the next three seasons, a modified no trade clause for the next three seasons after that, six million dollars mm. per year. So it's a that's a thing where at the time of the contract, it's like okay, that's a little, it's potentially a long contract for a guy who still was pretty early in his career. And that's yeah. the goalies. You look at a guy like Jim Carrey he comes in, and plays great, and then, uh, to a point even. One of my all-time favorite goalies, Cristobal Hewitt. Really good at the beginning of his career, kind of just fell off. And yeah. goalies are just weird like that. Um, and uh, I think it's something where that uh, 
it's hard to move him. If you lose Huso, maybe you just find someone else who can fill that spot. Like, is Huso a replaceable goalie? His stats mm. are pretty good, but yeah, I'd say, you know, he's he's still a guy. He's 27. He's starting to finally come into his own. He's a guy that if you lose him uh, the offseason, you'll find someone to replace him. I, right. Who that is, not sure, but um, it's I don't think it's a huge loss there, but this year for sure I think you just ride him as long as you can because he's playing well Is he's been a top 10 goalie statistically for pretty much the entire season yeah. um, but again just kind of shows the point of goaltending just strange it's true yeah. so, well let's talk about some top players on the trade market and we're going to start with the goalie that we actually talked about last week Marc-Andre Fleury and again depending on the reports he's going to be traded he's not going to be traded it, it, there's some reports saying he doesn't want to go himself um, I feel like though when the Blackhawks Acquired him. It was kind of for the whole purpose of moving him at the deadline. I think that was kind of the goal there. Um, they got him for free. Incredible investment if they move him, essentially. Um, but if he is traded, where do you think he goes? Well, I, I do think he'll stay put. But if he were to be traded, the Edmonton Oilers seem like the most obvious fit because they need a goalie. You know, because the time is nigh for that group. You know, when you've got McDavid and Dreisaitl in the prime of their careers. You really got to move on that. So, you know, Fleury is the kind of guy that we've seen him, you know, catch fire in the playoffs, and he does have that experience. So it seems like the obvious answer to me. For me, I, I do think uh, another team that we talked about last week, potentially Colorado. I think Colorado goes and makes a run for this because mm. um, it, it's, it's still a team where for us – as decent as Kemper could be at points, I still think you need something a little more solidified as either 1A or 1B option, and Flurry could be that guy. And um, we'll, we'll talk, actually, on the Prospect podcast about the, the trade Colorado made with Anaheim, mm -hmm. but I felt like to get a guy like Manson, they didn't have to give up a ton of, of huge assets where they could they give a pretty good prospect, but yep. there's something where they'll easily kind of recover from that. So they've got opportunities here where they could go get Flurry. Uh, other teams, Washington and uh, Toronto, are two teams I'd keep an eye on. Um, and, yeah, I, I, Edmonton, of course. But it's something where it's like it's like McDavid and Drysdale aren't going to get better. <laughs> it's like they're, they're, they're going to average – they're going to come close to 120 points this year. You can't yeah. get much better than that. Yeah. So let's take advantage of it while they're playing as good a hockey as they are. Claude Giroux, that's one where uh, it's a thousand games coming up. Is mm -hmm. he going to be traded soon? Some rumors suggest, suggest yes. Some say there's no chance he gets traded in the coming days. Uh, what are your thoughts on if he gets traded and where? I feel like he is going to get moved, and it really feels like all the momentum is going towards Colorado. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Gabriel Landeskog um, just went under surgery, you're going to get some cap relief there because obviously he's going to be on LTIR. So you're going to get that cap space that you need. And, you know, I, again, I mean, the abs are already a favorite. You add Giroux, who, you know, he's a center, but he's versatile enough that we've seen him on the wing in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he was amazing with Sean Couturier there. Um, you know, I guess it was last year. Um, so, you know, you get a guy who has a ton of NHL experience, obviously, has been yeah. that high-level player for a long time and can, you know, really sort of bolster your forward core. And, you know, I know Colorado, uh, this, gr this group has not won a cup. Having said that, you bring in a guy like Giroux, who has been in the NHL so long, he can kind of be that guy you rally around and be like, let's win one for G. Even mm -hmm. though he's just mm -hmm. coming into town, it is that sort of like Ray Bork, Temu Solane vibe where it's like, let's get one for this guy because, you know, he's a beauty. Everyone likes him in the NHL. He needs his ring. Let like It's like just that extra bit of motivation. Not that players need motivation yeah. to win the cup, but it's just that extra little thing that you can rally around. So the Avs feel like a good fit. He's had some long playoff runs in the past. He's 34. This is a guy that obviously we don't think has too many years left in the league. Uh, and I know there, there's an argument to be made. Like, look at his stats. He's kind of rest a bit. And, well, yeah, the numbers definitely say that. He also has not played with maybe the highest quality line mates through the last couple of years in Philadelphia. And this is a team where, like, this year is – What's going on is not his fault. Flyers fans would be really disappointed to let him go. It's actually, we've talked about him getting traded potentially on the podcast a couple times, and people, Flyers fans hate that. Right. Um, but it's something where, you know what, this might be just the best interest of everybody. Yeah. Um, do I think the Flyers are going to get full value for him? I don't think so. But you know what, they, they, he was a great fixture of this team, one of the best Flyers to play uh, 
probably in franchise history, uh, give them a chance to win the cup because the Flyers aren't going to do that. Um, but yeah, Colorado, I think, seems like the number one choice. Boston's another team that's kind of calling to me there. Um, mm. Florida, uh, Carolina, the point. So it'll just be a little harder for those teams to make those moves. Mm. Uh, another name that's kind of interesting right now is Jacob Chick because he's hurt. And yes, that does complicate things. That does. And this is a pretty interesting defensive market with some pretty decent names like uh, Chikrin, Sherrod, Lindholm, Giordano, still available. Um, when you're looking at Chikrin, um, obviously, the, again, getting hurt doesn't help. But if he is tr- get, if he does get traded, where do you kind of see him being a good fit? Well, I mean, the Florida Panthers feel like a great fit because, you know, you've, you've got a, a left shot guy, uh, somebody who's from Florida, uh, you know, grew up there, went to high school there. You know, it's it just, it seems like a perfect fit. And the Panthers, you know, one of the favorites in the East, if not the favorite right now. So you bring in a guy who can, you know, give you good minutes. Um, you know, he can play on both sides of the puck, great size. And I, I think he would really fit into that unit they have there because it's already a pretty decent defense core. But, I mean, if you can add a player, especially, you know, with so many good years ahead of him in the NHL, you know, why wouldn't you do it? I mean, as long as they can make it work cap-wise. And fortunately, you know, uh, when it comes to Chikorin, not a huge cap hit, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, a pretty good bargain, if, if I'm not mistaken, it's 4.6. Um, so that just feels like a really good fit for me. It's something where, yeah, 4, 4, 6 until the end of 2025, um, and then it'll be UFA. So that's a couple of years there. Uh, I that's For me, it's like I just – if I'm Arizona, I don't want to trade him unless the offer makes so much sense. It yeah. has to because it's like this guy is like the best player on your team in a team that really needs someone for – if they're going to go through a rebuild, you need him there. And you've got Dylan Gunther coming in, and you're going to need some goaltender to come in, and you're going to have these – like you're going to need a lot more to build this team. And he's a guy that, for another, like, it's almost like when they signed his contract, they knew they were going to go through a rebuild at some point, and mm. that they were hoping that they could keep him over the hedge. Yeah. Uh, so that's something where I just, I don't think, I, if I'm Arizona, it's got to be something that makes, like, way too much sense for it to work. And I, 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 I wouldn't trade him, to be honest. Uh, the good cat salary, good young player, someone you could sign when he's a UFA and just keep him, like, keep him around in the, the team for a long time and be this face of the franchise for a team that, need something like that after Shane Doan retired a few years ago. But yeah. the team that's kind of calling to me there is Los Angeles. Kevin uh-huh. um, play, because I believe Doughty plays on the right side. I know he's a right shooter, but Chicken plays on the left side. And you can throw that as a pairing out there. That'd be a darn good team for yeah. – a, a, a darn good pairing for a team that, you know, a lot of – like they've got some decent defensive pieces. You throw him in, not a serious contender in my mind for the Cup, but like it's it's, it's like you might shock some teams in the playoffs. And Never. it's a fun team to watch right now. Yeah. Uh, so that's a team I'd kind of look at. Um, next question, or next player, uh, Ben Sherratt. Um I know uh, a lot of Montreal Canadiens fans are like, yeah, please, please go. But at the same time, he's playing really well right now. And some are like, no, don't leave. Uh, what are your thoughts on Sherratt? Well, you know, I, I feel like Sherrod could almost be the backup uh, for Florida if Chikrin doesn't work out. Like, and and I agree. Like, I'm not really sure what the motivation is to move Chikrin out of Arizona. Um, but you know, if the Panthers can't get Chikrin, then maybe you go Sherrod, and you know, he plays a little further down your lineup, maybe one pairing down. Um, I'm also wondering, you know, you look at the New York Rangers and, uh, you know, Larry Brooks had a really good column the other day about the Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren pairing and how it's just not clicking right now. You know, something's gone awry there and it's really kind of upset the Rangers depth chart because Jacob Trubin and Keandre Miller have been so good together. So you don't want to break them up. But then what do you do, you know, with Fox and Lindgren? Do you put one of them on the third pairing? Like, that's sort of weird. And maybe you just have three pairings and you don't call one the third. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder, you know, if you introduce Ben Sherrod into that pairing, and, you know, he's listed as playing both sides, even though he's mm-hmm. a left shot. So that gives you a little bit of uh, wiggle room there. Um, but the Rangers do have the cap space where they could get Sherrod and they could even do more moves on top of that. I wonder if he gives you that option where he can kind of go in in different pairings and give you that flexibility where you can try some different combinations between Fox and Lindgren, and then you've got Patrick Nemeth and you know, you know, Braden Schneider, a great young defenseman mm-hmm. there, where you know you can kind of ease him in things like that. 
Um, so to me, that's kind of an interesting fit. Yeah, I, I like that one. Uh, another one being St. Louis is a team that I think could use him. He, he's a very highly coveted player, but someone where you like the the, the cost of a potential first round pick that gets rumored around just that's does too much that's for me. Way too much for Ben Chirot. Yeah, and. A lot of players value go up really high at the trade deadline, and then after the trade deadline, it's like you kind of almost forget they exist. Yeah, and it's like you'd almost have to believe Alex Petrangelo, for as good as he is, is like the greatest defenseman in the world based off all the talk leading up to his free agency. <laughs> um, and there's points where he's not even the best defenseman on his own team. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like it's a, the first round pick idea doesn't make a lot of sense if your team trades a first round pick for Ben Sherratt. There better be something else involved that you that you're getting out of that, like fourth rounder or third rounder. To... Or you win the cup. Like if you win yeah, the yeah, cup, okay, then yeah. it's like okay, no problem. If but you like win the cup, it doesn't matter what you do. Exactly. Trade every future piece you have, yeah. just make it work. That's because you're. It's great to have all these great prospects, but if you don't win with them, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, yeah, it's got to really make sense there. Totally agree. Hampus Lindholm um, of the Anaheim Ducks, another guy we talked about the Ducks earlier, uh, as, as a team where I would love to take control of this group. Um, this is where there's contract talks, and if you know, if he doesn't get signed before the deadline, you think he's probably gone. Mm. Uh, what teams do you like for him there? Well, you know, one team that I think would be really kind of fun is Nashville. You know, the Predators. That's of, my pick. That's my hey, pick. there That's you go. Pick. Great minds think alike. I mean, you already have this great defense core, but you do have room to bring in another guy that could give you top four minutes. And, you know, if you could find some great chemistry there, um, then you look at Nashville and, I mean, they're a team that I don't think I'd want to play in the playoffs with the exception that, you know, like, again, like UC Soros, you know, playoff goaltending, not sure. I, I, I still need to see it for a long run. But having said that, you look at that defense core, you look at, you know, kind of how burly and big some of those forwards are they have. You look at sort of the the rebirth of Matt Duchesne. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in Nashville now. So I feel like this is a lineup that needs to be rewarded at the deadline, and Hampus Lindholm I, I think would be a, a great prize for them. I will take one shot at Predators fans, though. We talked a couple weeks ago about where a potential world junior uh, tournament could take place, mm-hmm. and I said Nashville. People are like, why do you guys not include Nashville? It's like, why <laughs> that was my pick. That you said my, it. That was my number one pick. So. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it, I, I kind of you just kind of said what I want. <laughs> the Nashville's kind of team. It's like you can't go like yeah, they've got some good defense, and that's kind of been the identity of that team pretty much from day one. Mm. Um, but you also just can't have like a lack of good defense. You just kind of you, you like you keep bringing as many pieces as possible. Defense is a very important position that seems to get overlooked because you're they're not scoring yeah. a ton of points, but yeah. Roman Yosa can. Um, That's but right. uh, it's like you have it there, just stabilize the group in front of UC Soros. That's that's a tough team to beat. If when oh. Soros is really good, we know how good he could be. Mm-hmm. And then you throw in another good defenseman there. I like it. Yeah. Speaking of the defenseman theme, Mark Giordano. Yeah, I mean this one's tough because you know, the obvious answer is like a reuniting with the Flames in Calgary, but things are going so well with mm-hmm. the Flames and their defense core is so structured. And, you know, it's like everybody knows their role and everybody has skills that they bring to the table. I wonder if bringing back Giordano might upset that chemistry. So I actually went with a couple of different places. Um, Minnesota is interesting to me um, because if you. If y'all are picking up a theme here, it's that the Central Division is a death race. (laughs) So everybody's going to have to stock up. And, you know, the Wild obviously have some very nice defensemen led by Jared Spurgeon and Matt Dumba. But again, I mean, if you're going for it, why not add a veteran who, again, here's a guy that does not have a Stanley Cup ring yet. And if you're Minnesota, I mean, you're in a very tough division, but maybe you say like, okay, let's come together, you know, Let's bring Gio into the fold and help him, you know, realize his dream as we realize ours. Um, the other team is is Boston. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Giordano would want to go all the way across the continent. From he's Seattle played, to Boston. he's always played kind of in the same. All, yeah, you know. Um, having said that, you know, if the Bruins are going to do anything in these playoffs, 
I think they need to bolster their defense core because you, you know, man cannot live on Charlie McAvoy alone, as good as Charlie McAvoy is. I think they need a lot of help back there. And Giordano is a guy that you, you know he can play a ton of minutes. So uh, I think he could be very valuable in the short term in Boston uh, if the Bruins look at the landscape and say, okay, yeah, we think we can go a couple of rounds. I'm, I'm not sure if that's the case, but if you're going to be an optimist in Boston, then you say, like, that guy could really help us. There's been talks on Twitter about uh, Giordano's agent talking to Ron Francis about the future, and I'm assuming those cons- those talks were trade-ups um, <laughs> because it doesn't really make sense for a 38-year-old to stay around for a team that's going to be a few years away from being competitive. Yeah. Um, one team that can actually really afford him without having to give up a ton is the New York Rangers, mm-hmm. uh, and that's another team that could use someone like him. I- I- as cool as it would be for Calgary, and like, obviously you don't really want to upset the balance of the team that's playing really well, it's like if anyone's going to be welcomed in Calgary, it's Mark Giordano. Oh, for sure. Uh, like that, it was pretty cool to see him go back and play there and yeah. see the fan response. Um, but again, like when the team's playing so well, you don't really like in the case of Calgary, like they don't need to do anything. I think at the deadline, like they, I they agree. Can stay, like if they add, perfect. Um, but like they don't necessarily need to do anything. They're in a good spot there. Mm. Um, while like we're talking, yet yeah, we're saying that as we're talking about Colorado, probably the team everyone's picking to win the cup as a team that's going to be buying and making, right. making a lot of changes. But uh, they've, they're in a different situation with some with some injuries and stuff. Uh, but the Rangers, to my understanding here from cap uh, friendly, about $6.4 million in projected cap space as of right now. And he's got a $6.75 million cap hit. So they can almost afford him off that. Totally. Um, but also, it reminds me, the Rangers have a lot of dead cap in Lundqvist, Shattenkirk, Gir- uh, Girardi, D'Angelo, and Brad Richards. A lot of mm. contracts still involved there. Mm. Um, but to me, uh, yeah, I, I like the Rangers. I like... Like Calgary would be cool, but it's like again, why make that? Why mess that up? Uh, Florida, another team, and I'm going to go back to another team that could use some extra defense. Uh, St. Louis and uh, Boston. So kind of just a couple of those same teams kind of are recurring mm. here for a reason. Uh, let's uh, go back to Anaheim with uh, Ricard Raquel again, a guy that's scoring player who's uh, seems to be in trade uh, talks a lot. It's true, and maybe I'm going off the board here, and. I don't know, you know, because they are rivals, maybe this wouldn't happen, but I'm kind of looking at Los Angeles okay. and saying, okay, well, you know, the Kings have sort of punched above their weight this year. And again, a roster where you, you say to yourself, you know, they should be rewarded. If you're the, you know, if you're GM Rob Blake, you say, I want to reward these guys. I want to you know, show that I have faith in them. Bring in Raquel, because, you know, scoring hasn't been a strength of the Kings this year in terms of uh, just sort of raw output. And Raquel is a guy that can help out in that respect. And he's a pretty toolsy guy. He can sort of fit up and down the lineup. Uh, I I think he would actually be a good fit there. Now, again, you know, do you want to trade to an arch rival? I think things are a bit different than they used to be. Um, So things are probably a little more open in that respect. Uh, But I think Raquel to the Kings would be kind of interesting. His cap is a 3.78 mil. That's not bad. Not bad for a player like that. What about Pittsburgh? You know what? I mean, Pittsburgh kind of always does something at the deadline, so I totally would not be shocked about that. They're always kind of adding those little pieces. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the Penguins do. Like, what they, you know, looking at the landscape of their division, their conference, Crosby and Malkin, where they are in their career. Can you still go all in? You know, how much left do you have in the pipeline to deal away? Given kind of how the injuries and COVID and everything was hitting this team, like it's almost like an absolute miracle they're at a spot where they can maybe go for a cup this year. Yeah. Um, so like hats off to the coaching staff and everyone for kind of really pitching in. Goaltending has been good. Um, and that's a team I would love to see maybe improve the defense a little bit. Um, but Ricardo Kell there I think would make that scoring depth a little stronger and yeah. uh that may, maybe not he's maybe that's not enough to really boost his team to a cup favorite uh or cup contender i guess but it's something where you can't really hurt having that extra scoring there very true uh all right let's talk jeff peachy since we talked about him earlier mm. uh, another montreal canadians defenseman one that's i think when shea weber went out we a lot of people thought jeff Petrie was going to be kind of that guy from montreal and he has not been so mm. i guess uh I think he's still got some good hockey uh, left in him. But what are your thoughts uh, about him? Yeah, I agree. I, I've been a Jeff Petrie fan for years now, and it is unfortunate to see what's happened this year. But it is all situational, and you know how bad the Habs were just in general, and the responsibility he had to take on with that blue line. 
I kind of see Toronto as an option. Um, you know, he's a right shot. And, you know, we know the Leafs have a lot of young defensemen. And at times they've been good. At times they have not been good. So I feel like for the Leafs, they know they're going to play somebody hard in the first round. Pretty much mm-hmm. it's going to be Tampa. If they beat Tampa, they're probably going to have to play somebody really good in the second round. Mm-hmm. Probably Florida. Um so you got to load up and you know we know the Leafs have firepower if Jack Campbell is healthy and playing like he did in the first half then you're really good in net um but that defense core could just use a little bit more and because Jake Muzzin has had so many injury problems I think you do need to get another veteran guy that can give you you know a lot of different skills and I think Jeff Petrie is an option where you know his salary is not too bad 6.2 million not too bad um, Three more years. Yeah. Maybe that's an option where you kind of bite the bullet and say, like, we got to do a move like this. If you're trading for him, it, it's not necessarily a rental. And mm. if it, it's something where, like, I know a lot of Leaf fans talking about Ben Chirac. Like, we don't want him. It's like, well, if you had to choose between the potential of what Petrie brings and the potential of what Chirac brings, Petrie mm. brings more. And become yeah. it could be that more viable player. Obviously, not a great season. Um, and while his contract's not terrible, it's it's still he's gonna be like thirty seven when his contract's over. Right, six point two million for a guy who's kind of having a really rough year. You gotta hope he bounces back. So there's mm. the risk associated, but there's high reward in terms of a lot of players on this list that we talked about today. He's yeah. one maybe the guys with a big chance to really bounce back. So um, yeah, uh, I'd say the if if Dallas is looking to maybe shore up their defense situation with uh, Klingberg out, uh, maybe Petrie's. The guy or uh, ice cream, sorry, my bad. Yeah. Uh, Klingberg's probably going nowhere. Um, all right, uh, Jake DeBrusque. I think he's been in the trade rumor since literally the first day of the season, right? Uh, and he has not been traded. Um, Boston Bruins player, where you think that that's a team that we've talked about needing uh secondary scoring in the past, and he it just isn't really working out. Uh, a lot of teams have been kind of mentioned, uh, between Edmonton to me, feels like a good fit. Um, um maybe a team on the, on the fringe side of things like Vancouver. I don't know, but what are your thoughts there? I'm actually going to go a totally different direction on this. Although Edmonton is pretty interesting. Um, you know, especially with his, uh, his dad, Louis DeBrusque, uh, having so much connection with, uh, Edmonton and the Oilers. I'm actually going to say Seattle, um, because I'm not sure if Jake DeBrusque helps you at the deadline right now. He's, he's a player that's still finding his way in the NHL. So I look at the Kraken as a team where there's, Tons of opportunities, both now and in the future, where he can kind of stake things out. You know, I mean, you look at what Jared McCann did with his opportunity this year, and you hope maybe you can you can sort of you know catch that again with Jake DeBrusque. Maybe, maybe there's a Mark Giordano trade with Boston where Jake DeBrusque is the roster player that goes back the other way, and you okay. know you get some other stuff there. Um, the trade is one for one. No. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think Jake DeBrusque is the type of guy who, if I'm a contender, I'm not sure if he's the answer. But I mean, if I'm rebuilding, he might be a guy where it's kind of a buy low, you know, and uh, and develop situation. So Seattle and maybe even Arizona. No, that's, that's another pick I was going to say. Actually, that's not that's pretty good. Seattle involving Jared Ann would be cool. Because the thing is, we talk about the contenders making trades. But the, these teams near the bottom still have to do stuff. <laughs> they still need to think about their future. Totally. This is kind of one of the times they think about the future outside of uh, just selling off players. They need to bring in parts of that will be. And DeBrus could be something like that. And then Max Domi, a cool video of him uh, uh, shooting pucks at cones uh, emerged on social media. It was cool, except every shot missed the net. And the, the, the <laughs> cones were on the top. And I'm like, okay, so they're accurate. But couldn't you find something of you hitting the net? It seems kind of weird. If, right. if there's all these rumors about you getting traded and you post this video of you hitting all these cones to show how good of an accurate shooter you could be, but none of the shots go in the net. seems kind of <laughs> odd. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I look at Domi, I think of a player who, when motivated properly, he can be really good for you. And I kind of feel like the Edmonton Oilers would be a good fit because you got a guy that I don't think he's a center. I think he's a winger. Um, you know, he can play center if you really have you really need him to the Oilers don't need that obviously because they have those top end centers mm-hmm. but you know he's the sort of guy that I think if you put him sort of in the middle of your lineup and you get some favorable matchups you know he's obviously very physical and he does have some skill 
it could be a very good fit for them. And, you know, we've talked about the Oilers being so top heavy and, you know, you bring in Domi, obviously you're bringing in salary as well. And so you have to consider that, but I don't know. It just feels like an opportunity for him that at least in the short term, he could pay dividends. It's something where when he went to Montreal, it's like, okay, here's an opportunity for him to really thrive. And then it, it, it started off well, didn't end well. Goes to Columbus, kind of the same situation. And now it's like, okay, wh- what now? I still think he's got a lot of talent. We know uh, one guy that he was linked to early in his career is Anthony Duclair due to their World Junior success together. Right. And I've always like, like, I'd love to see those guys play together again. Yeah. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. Um, but at the same time, it's like Duclair's kind of figured out his play later on in his career a few years later and mm. maybe Domi will still have him. Domi's got the talent. He's got the skill. We yeah. know he can do it. He's proven it before. Um, one more player I do want to mention though. Okay. Right? Phil Kessel. Um, yeah. And it's no secret the Coyotes are definitely looking to shop him. He wants to go to a contender. Um, the two teams that actually, well, three teams kind of stick out to me. Boston, which he's already been to. Sure. Pittsburgh, where he's already been to. Right. And Minnesota. Oh yeah, we haven't actually talked about it this week because a team that's a team that gives some extra scoring. Yeah, you know what? I kind of like Minnesota as a fit. Yeah, um, because they are a team where you know, obviously Kaprizov is the star, but you know, I, I don't see, I don't think of the Wild as having a ton of scoring punch. Um, you know, I mean they got Fiala as well, and, and he has a lot of skill, but. Yeah, you know, Minnesota would be a place where I think Phil Kessel could thrive because it's not, it's funny, it's like Minnesota as a state loves hockey so much, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it is sort of fractured off where it's like some people just like high school hockey, some people just like the Gophers, you know, some people just like St. Cloud or Minnesota State. So with the Wild, you know, it's not like a ton of press coverage, but at the same time, it's shaping it up to be a pretty good team. And, you know, obviously Kessel, you know, star with the Gophers when he was in university. So you get those ties there. Um, That to me is probably the most intriguing because that feels like probably the best fit for him at this point. Yeah, I like that. Minnesota be good. Boston and Pittsburgh could, again, use a guy like Phil Kessel a lot, but he's Mm. always already been there. It's always funny when players get traded back to teams they're on. It's like... Uh, I know the one name that's been rumored is Dominic Kubelik to the Kings, and it's like the John Rosen, one of our um, contributors to the magazine, said that that whole thing did not end well when he was part of the Kings organization. Why would he go back? And right. It's like, well, again, he, he was a kid back then. He's a little older now. What would happen? I, I don't think that'd be a fit, but I always it's always fun seeing guys return. It, it annoys me, though, when players return to teams they played on and they don't wear the same jersey number. Right. <laughs> that annoys me. It's like, I bet you it annoys the people wearing the jerseys in the crowd. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah. All right. That's all the players I want to talk about. We're going to go to a viewer question today. Mm. Um, String Beans. And this this could have been a prospect podcast question, but mm. String Beans asks, which established young NHLers should teams or should seller teams covet? Yeah. I, I like this question. And I, I, yeah, I stuck to guys sort of NHL, though one of them's in the AHL right now. Um, you know, Alex Newhook in Colorado. Now, I don't know if the Avs would want to give him up because he's a fantastic young player. But, I mean, the question was, who should sellers covet? Mm-hmm. So if I'm a seller and I'm dealing with the Avs, I, I'm, I'm asking Newhook right yeah, off oh, the yeah. hop. Oh, yeah. You know, it's yeah, like... They could afford that. They could afford to move on. They could, yeah. You know, it's, it's supposed to be painful. You know, it's not supposed to be easy. We're still competitors, even if my team's not going mm-hmm. for the cup this year. So that's my first ask because, you know, Newhook, amazing motor. He's got that scoring potential. You know, such a great competitor. So that's one for me. Uh, another one, Libor Hayek. Um, you know, with the Rangers. This is a player that, you know, a defenseman with a lot of different tools. And, you know, you get regime change in New York. And all of a sudden, you know, the GM you have now and the, you know, the, the, the minds you have with the brain trust are not the same ones that acquired you in the first yep. place. So, you know, do the Rangers see a future where Hayek is a top six guy for them? I think that's a big question that's out there. And I think he's a guy that has a lot of talent. Um, so I think, you know, if I'm a seller, I would look and say, well, I think we could get 
quite a bit out of Libor Hayek if he was in our lineup. So I like him. And then the last one, as I mentioned, he's in the AHL right now, ripping it up, is Owen Tippett with Florida. Um, You know, a player who has always had all the physical tools and is starting to round out his game a little more. You know, he's got the great shot and he's got the great skating. Um, And obviously the Panthers, they're going for it. You know, you're going to have to give up something if you want a big prize. And I think a lot of teams would ask about Tippett. See, seller teams, when they're trading off their players to contenders, the, a lot of it's kind of like, okay, you know, it's not going to, like, sell the pieces, get what you can, work towards the future. But you're still going to be really selfish here. Because, totally. Especially if you're not a seller team, you're typically not really good, and your job might be on the line. So yeah. So you've got to really do something here. And if it takes time to be aggressive, you know what? Um the next time your team trades with the team you're trading with might include someone else making the trade. So it's, mm. it's like, yeah, you, you, you got to think about yourself in situations like that. So yeah, uh, yeah new hook and tip it to me are two names for sure. Um, maybe even Vitaly Kratsov. Totally. It's a name that's uh, going to mention. Uh, we have a story uh, from Tony Ferrari on the website, uh, looking at some prospects and other young guys that uh, could be used in trades. And I believe uh, Drew Hellison was actually one of them. So there was, there you right go. off the bat. Uh, that's it for viewer questions. It's time for a rapid fire. Okay, rapid fire time. I think it's going to be a fun one, potentially a devious one, but I'll start off uh, easy. The Vegas Golden Knights, do they make the playoffs? I still say yes. I still believe in this team. Yeah. Uh, we talked about last week, and I, I had a lot of belief in the team, and they haven't looked good since, but I still believe in them. I'm worried. I'm going to say no because that, yeah, that, wild, that last wild card spot is going to be tough. Uh, because of the central division and the goaltending right now is like a tough situation. So, yeah, I'm not really sure. Do they make a trade for a goalie at the deadline? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> hey, Marc-Andre Fleury. Fleury. <laughs> oh, no. Um, next question. How On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you for the return of baseball? Very, very. I live very close to uh, Rogers Center, and mm. I've gone to zero games since I moved there because of the <laughs> pandemic. So I'm very excited. Nice, nice. I would say I'm only like a three or four out of ten because I kind of follow the Blue Jays, and I know they're young and exciting, and I like when bad things happen to the Yankees or Red Sox, but I couldn't name more than like five baseball players that don't play for the Jays. I'm a, I'm a Blue Jays fan. I'm not a baseball fan, as Fair. opposed to in other sports. Yes, yes. Okay. Who wins the Shane Wright Derby? And by that, I mean who finishes last overall, not who wins the lottery, because you never know that. So who finishes last overall this year? One of Arizona. I know they've been scoring quite a bit, but I the that's, hottest that, team in the league. It's going to end. It's going to end at some point. Yeah, that's fair. Especially I, if they trade Kessel. Yeah, true. I'm going to say Montreal because right now they're kind of in the catbird seat for that. And as great and fun as Marty St. Louis' run has been, eventually teams playing them are going to have to win for the purposes of playoffs. So I think they're going to sort of if, stay if, around. If they keep winning, I think the, the GM's just going to have to blindfold um, Marty St. Louis or take his like, key card away. Right, like, right. Don't show up. Never mind. <laughs> Don't worry. Cool, cool Coffield's coach now. That's right. <laughs> no one will notice you guys the same way. It'll be fine. Okay, so the second half of the rapid fire special. This is International Women's Month. So this is a whim, uh, uh, International Women's okay. Month themed set of questions. First of all, who's your favorite women's hockey player hipster edition? So what I mean by that is you can't just say Marie-Philippe Poulin or Hillary Knight because everybody knows that. Who's a player that you really like that doesn't get like a ton of press? Does a backup goalie count? Sure. Emmert Smashmeyer. Uh, nice. She's uh, pretty much like dominant whenever she plays. She's just not the best goalie in her own team. She, she'd be a starting goalie on pretty much every team. <laughs> nice. Mine is uh, Laura Stacy. Uh, she was on the Olympic team, but a depth role. Uh, I love the physical tools. I love the reach. I love the vision she has. I think she should get more time uh, on the national squad, but I also recognize that they're pretty loaded there, so I get it. Shout out to Jamie Lee Ratchie, too, who seems to score no matter what. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Jamie Lee Ratchie's another good one. Okay. Next question Who's your favorite all female band? Oh, I'm trying. Okay, um, there was a punk band that I saw play. I forgot their name. Um, started with a P. Um, oh, jeez, it was it was like a local band in Toronto, but I, I bought their album. It was that good, and I Ooh. I'm drawing a blank what it's called. Okay. Um, oh. All right, 
Go for if it. you if you remember, you can come back to it. Uh, I'm gonna go right now with Nervosa, the okay. Brazilian thrash band, uh, because obviously because they're from Brazil, they've got like a Sepultura vibe to them, uh, which is always nice. And then uh, also uh, runner up shout out to when I was a teenager, Babes in Toyland, who are a fantastic. 90s band um i wouldn't call them you know it wouldn't be fair to call them grunge they were just kind of like punky and angry and very fun okay ostra it's not a start to a beat that's who <laughs> uh, i saw them perform like these guys are great and then i got their album uh but yeah i'd say them nice okay supporting local bands there you go and okay final question and this is riffing off uh, your question from last week put together your all-star all-female band Okay, uh, I'm going to go with uh, singer Taylor Momsen from uh, Pretty Reckless. Uh, okay. Did you watch the, the Grinch uh, live-action movie? I did not, okay, but that's okay. She's, I think she was on, like, uh, Gossip Girl, wasn't yeah, she? she? Yeah, was, okay. she was uh, Cindy Lou Who. Nice. Um, so she was the main character. Uh, guitarist. Oh, jeez. Um, I actually did a story on this a few years ago on my own personal website, and I should yeah. know. Uh, guitarist... Um, Okay, there's this one person on YouTube named uh, Tina S. She plays Dragon Force covers. She's like the, one of the fastest guitar players I've ever nice. seen. Um, um, Jeannie, the former bass player of uh, All That Remains, was okay. really good. Uh, All That Remains was one of the, the first metal bands I kind of really got into. Um, drummer, um, I can't remember her last name, but Katie from uh, Danger Kids. Danger Kids, now these are just all obscure bands at this point. Danger Kids it's is okay. like this Linkin Park style band that was okay. really, had an amazing launch of the first album. And I don't even know if they had a second album. <laughs> hey, fair <laughs> the enough. The first album was that good. Nice. Okay. Um, so because I had the benefit of knowing the question ahead of time, I'm going with a five-member band here. Uh, Cat Kate's. On vocals, she worked with Agoraphobic Nosebleed. She's also been on a couple of Pig Destroyer songs. Um, first guitarist, Liz from Electric Wizard. Okay. Uh, second guitarist slash vocals, Laura from Kylesa. Yep. Bass, Joe from Bolt Thrower, the classic uh, metal band. And yep. then drummer, Chio from Newthgrush, the hardcore sludge band. So I'm, I'm going with a really like sludgy band very like you know okay very riff heavy uh but i think that would be a fantastic band uh very good answers there that is the rapid fire thank you for playing oh, that is another guitarist orianti who used to be michael jackson's guitarist oh uh, she was very good i know she i believe she also yeah alice cooper and carrie underwood and steve Vai. so she's worked with some really good bands there you go uh so she's more of a session musician but she's very good so nice that, that was a good question that, that was a tough one thank you i yeah it is tough yeah it's like yeah that, that's that's a good one so all right, that's it for the podcast. So uh, we'll be back next week, definitely recapping the trade deadline, uh, probably after the deadline happens. And uh, we'll prospect podcast coming soon. So thank you, everyone, for listening or watching. I can be-